0: Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Meadle, joined as always by Chris Bouguet. Hey, Chris. How's it going, Rachel? It's going good. really excited that we're doing our recording. I always love recording with you.
1: So, Rachel, there's been a question I've had on my mind for a while now that I've wanted to ask you. Um, You and I, when we record, you usually, it looks like in your your bedroom slash office or something, right? And I'm in, you know, I'm in the closet, right? Yes. But um, almost every time we record, you have a cup of tea that you sip on um and i noticed that you have like a a glass it's it's a specific glass that you drink out of every time it's not like you have a different mug every time it's a glass mug and it's always this kind of light tea not really dark you know so i want to hear what's up with your tea what and i noticed you also have like a pot that you pour into every once in a while to fill it up because for a while there was like it's like an endless thing of tea like how does she always have more tea (laughs) she keeps drinking it but it never goes down so tell me about your tea
0: Okay, so let's let me first start off with talking about my addiction to coffee. So, <laughs> I I you know, love coffee. I love the smell of it, I love the taste of it. I like have been obsessed with coffee for years. And just recently, as in the last couple months, I actually transitioned to tea. So I have this cute little blue teapot that has like a little strainer. So it's green tea. It's not black tea, it's green tea. And this actually this little cup and this little saucer is from my grandmother. And so it's like one of my favorite little things that like my grandmother left me after she passed away. And it just reminds me of her and it makes me happy. It also reminds me of my mom. And so, yeah, I just like, this is part of my morning routine. I like wake up, you know, sometimes I'll go for a run or exercise and then I'll come into my room and I'll start working. This is like my quarantine routine. (laughs) Um, And I'll always have a little pot of tea and I'll sip it throughout the morning. Yeah, that's great. that's great.
1: I'm a big tea drinker myself, um, and we actually have a local tea shop that uh, you can go to and get like tea tastings. And they have the like, the walls are covered with different types of tea from all over the world. And you can get like uh, like some people will go and they would do a flight, you know. we would sit there, and, and the person comes over and explains what each type of tea was. I, I learned that you're supposed to slurp your tea because you get more oxygen in when you do that. Like like you, you know how you get you you get yelled at from your mom for uh, slurping your soup off a of spoon, you know. They yeah. Say, you're actually supposed to do that with tea. So, um, so who who knew? Who knew that we had this uh, affinity for tea?
0: I have actually a funny story about coffee. So, I was in Washington last summer with my brother, and we went to Seattle. we were doing some like camping and backpacking, but we flew into Seattle, and so we spent some time there. And we went to uh, Starbucks. Was you know born in Seattle, and um, they have a reserve Starbucks there where they. Um, ha- basically you can learn so much about coffee. They have coffee flights, they have all different kinds of like coffee infused cocktails. So anyway, I went with my brother, he got like a cold brew flight. I got like a, you know, a pour over flight and like, I've never been so like jazzed on caffeine. And then when I left, I felt like I could run like, you know, a marathon. I'm like, I think, I think I drank too much, Matt. And that's my brother. <laughs> um, so anyway, we learned all about coffee and I realized that maybe we should have shared a flight. We shouldn't have gotten our own flight each.
1: Hey, you mentioned a marathon. I saw that you have signed up for a virtual marathon. You want to talk about that for a second?
0: Yeah, I'm actually- Or is it a
1: marathon? Is it a 5K?
0: It's a 5K. (laughs) No, it's not a marathon. Thank God. I don't know if I could run a marathon right now. Although although I've run a half marathon um, in my past. Um, But yes, it's called Sophie's Run. And I'm really excited. I actually was just messaging with the Instagram account. They tagged me in a photo, which is how I learned about it. And I was really excited. First of all, their mission is wonderful, essentially is a fundraiser to help students and children get devices um, who don't have access and of course that's something that we, you you and I Chris, feel really strongly about. I also love exercise and running so it was, it was perfectly aligned and so I am really excited. Um, I actually messaged them and said they should come on the podcast just for like a little like you know brief spot talking about their fundraiser because they typically have an in-person event but because of COVID-19 they've created this virtual event so everyone is still participating but now they've opened it up to anyone who wants to participate, you know you can sign up and then take a, a selfie of you you know running and you can do it you know throughout the course of a week I think it's in May as a way to support this cause and I just thought it was such a cool thing that I definitely wanted to sign up for and you know, they're gonna send me a t-shirt early so I can like put my t-shirt on and go on social media encourage people to sign up um, because it's such an amazing cause and I just love this idea of this like virtual 5k.
1: Absolutely. So I, I don't. You don't know this. I'll just reveal it right now, here live on the podcast. That just before that run came out, I also got tagged on it in uh, Twitter instead of Instagram. But my wife, like literally. I don't know. Ten hours beforehand was like, Chris, we should do a, like a virtual five cabin. Seeing them come pop up, and we should do the whole family should do one. And I was like, sure, let's sign us up. What should we do? And then that came out, and I was like, well, this is it. This is the one we're going to do. So we are signed up as well. We are also going to do it. So maybe we can coordinate. You know, sometime do it together and take uh, some maybe sort of video should, or something. Maybe,
0: maybe we should Facebook Live it, Chris. As yes,
1: we're as we're running. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. See, I, I, you know, what's so funny I had on my to-do list to tell you about that, but look, like we're so aligned that we already <laughs> signed up separately and now we're making it a, a, a talking with tech event.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if anyone listening wants to do it, you can do it as well. So what's the website again? Do you know it off the top of your head? Run
0: sophies5k.com is how you sign up.
1: Run sophies5k.com. Okay, yes. cool
0: run sophies5k.com and yeah we'll definitely link to it in the show notes so you guys can sign up and if you follow um Myself on uh, or Chris on social media, we can you know post it on social media and in our Facebook group and things like that. Um, but how cool! I love this idea of coming together as a you know community and supporting a cause like this. It's yeah, great. Me too. Me too.
1: So I have another story, some in- interesting news to to share with everybody and to share with you. So once upon a time, I think uh, I've mentioned it before that my wife and I uh, used to do a podcast together called Nightlight Stories, and Nightlight Stories had over sixty episodes where my wife and I wrote original. Children's stories, and then she would record them, and she would we put them out on this podcast. You know, we were known as Miss Mel and Mr. Chris, and we would do like an, an opening segment, like we do, and then we'd play the story. And um, something that happened interestingly enough is that years ago, I got to write a book called uh, "The Practical and Fun Guide to Assistive Technology" with Sally Norton Dar. She was a, my co-author, and that was published by ISTE. And right after we finished publishing that book. ISTE wrote me, they, they found out I was doing these nightlight stories with Melissa, and they said, would you like to write um, a novella for early childhood, Not sorry, not early childhood, early elementary or middle elementary, like third, fourth, or fifth grade students, where it's some sort of fictional story, but kids use technology in the story. We feel like that would be a way to educate the generation of students who use technology. Um, As opposed to, like, learning it from a lesson, they're reading stories about it, you know? Right. And so they were exploring the idea of publishing books that way that were a series of fiction books. And in fact, they did. They did early elementary books uh, called the Piano and Lely series. Um, And... What happened is my wife and I pitched them a bunch of ideas. We had all these different ideas of how these, like a team of, of students would uh, it would solve mysteries. And um, they, we landed on one, and they said, go for it, write it. And so we wrote this novella, which we ended up calling The Cloud, um, and it. we sent it off to ISTE, and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. But their board decided that they wanted to stick with nonfiction publications. They didn't want to continue to go in the direction of having fiction fiction books so our book kind of got shelved and it just sat in cyberspace for the last you know in our google drive for the last 10 years or so um until now now that we are we are quarantined and my wife said um, we're, we're doing it we've always talked about bringing nightlight stories back we have the story done it's just her recording it and um, putting it on the podcast so i'm happy to announce that we have released at the time of this recording there are already three chapters out uh, on nightlight stories that you can get for free about these fourth graders solving mysteries it's kind of like a scooby-doo feel um, but it's fourth graders solving mysteries using technology and of course, because it's me and and my wife, we totally have this underlying theme of universal design and using technology that's for students with disabilities, but use it for everybody. Um, and we mentioned some of those technologies, not by, again, by the function of the technology, not by the the name of the tool specifically, right? Um, but so, yeah. So there's at least three episodes now. Um, she's working on the fourth one as we speak. That should come out any day now. And like I said, there's 25 of them, all for free. And so it might be something that you
0: and your family enjoy. Yeah. And so what do you think, what's the perfect like age range, would you say, for this kind of a thing? I mean, I definitely, I'm definitely going to go listen anyway, even if it's beyond my age range, (laughs) because I'm just (laughs) intrigued to hear what these stories are all about, but what's like the optimal... You know, age
1: range. Yeah. Well, so that's what's so great about these audio stories is that it really is for anybody. You know, it's sort of like asking, what's the age range for Harry Potter? You know, like, well, I love Harry Potter. I love the Hunger Games. I like YA stuff, you know? Um, And that's, that's, it's really meant for the whole family. I mean, I, I would say the only people that it would be for are people who are. I don't know, four or younger, you know, anyone who's above the age of, you know, maybe five or older might enjoy listening to these stories. And they're not very long, like the chapters are relatively short we did that you know intentionally if you look at um, uh, the, the, those sort of grade level books the chapters are relatively short because it keeps you moving you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, so that's why 25 chapters might seem like, oh my gosh a 25 chapter No, it's not like that you know I mean some of the episodes are less than 10 minutes long you know but it keeps you going for the next one you know so uh, and we we feel like you could you could be solving the mysteries right along with the characters in the book and that's how it's sort of written so love for people to check it out it's Nightlight story stories.net. We just kept the same URL, the same podcast feed. You know, you can get all the old stories there too. But the next 25 or so um, 25 episodes will all be
0: the cloud. I have to tell you a story that's similar to this, Chris. When I was in Nepal, I was trekking. I, well, I did some work in Nepal, and then I was able to um, meet up with my friend, and we were able to do some hiking. And when we were hiking, we were in the middle of the Himalayas. There was no real access to any entertainment, right? There weren't TVs. There wasn't you know, internet. But what we did, which was so cool, was we downloaded the audiobook into thin air, which is all about um, John Krakauer is the author of that book. He's a journalist that did an expedition to Mount Everest, and we were like, "Well, we're in the Himalayas, like let's listen to Into Thin Air," um, which is a very well written story, and it's based on true events that happened. But every night, my friend and I would listen to this audio story like before bed. And what's funny is that we, we didn't finish the book. We almost finished the book, but we didn't get to finish the book. And so then we would get together and instead of watching a television show, we would just listen to this audiobook. And it was so fun. I, I really, it changed kind of the way that I view entertainment. And sometimes it's just nice to not, you know, sit in front of the television. It's nice to just listen um, and listen to an audiobook. So I feel like it's the same thing with Nightly. stories. It's, it's a different kind of entertainment. And I feel like it's something that's really good for the whole family to participate in.
1: So um, audio stories, I think there's a lot of research that supports audio stories just help with reading in general, right? And so because it helps with this theater of the mind and and audio comprehension helps with reading comprehension because you at once you're reading, you can kind of picture things. And there's, of course, students that have difficulty picturing things. But when you have this, like creating a picture or movie in their mind, but the audio seems to help with that. And plus the other benefit there is like you were saying, you're walking, um, you're doing something else where right now during lockdown or quarantine or what do you want to call this staying home um there's there's bound to be more screen time well this is a way you can still get stories but you don't have the screen that's affecting your visual you can be cleaning up your room you can be doing laundry you can be doing the dishes you could be going for a walk outside just going around your block or whatever um there's lots of ways to engage with audio stories that way and keep the literacy flowing
0: Yeah, for sure. And you always hear about, you know, uh, visualizing and verbalizing, right? Like that's a strategy for helping students with reading comprehension. And um, it actually, this reminded me of our episode we did about the audio jack, right? With David Tobin, Um, that string of kind of sounds and environmental noises um, as a way to just really tap into creativity and think about you know, what's happening when all you have, the only input you have is listening to something. Um, So I think it's very similar. And um, I definitely think it's a great way to, you know, tap into creativity and to help kids with, you know, reading, reading comprehension, you know, understanding storylines, predicting, there's so many different ways that you could use it. So I'm really excited to to check it out.
1: Now, do you know who else really likes audio stories? Who? The people who really like audio stories, I bet Miriam and Bronwyn and Lori and Karen and Kristen, I bet you those five people really like audio stories too. Do you know who those five people are? They sound familiar, Chris. I think they are Patreon members. They are, but they are a specific set of Patreon members. They are the people who won the Caroline Muscle White giveaway. Can you refresh everyone's memory on what
0: the Caroline Muscle White giveaway was? Yes. Yeah, so wasn't it a, um, a booklet? I think she calls them booklets, which I think is the cutest thing ever. Um, it was on pranks. And she talked about that when she was on our podcast and was nice enough to give away uh, a few copies to our Patreon members. Um, so really excited that we were able to, to help uh, some of our Patreon members get some ideas on some pranks. It was right around April Fool's Day when that episode aired. Uh, but pranks are good all year round.
1: So if people, if you missed that because you weren't in Patreon, the way to go check out our Patreon and see if you're interested is patreon.com slash talkingwithtech. And then also, we want to do a quick shout out to the people that have been leaving
0: reviews over on iTunes. So, Rachel? I love it. I love it, you guys. First of all, SLP Tammy, she wrote a lot of stuff that was really wonderful. Um, She says that she's been pushing for robust AAC at her agency the last couple years. There's been so much advocacy needed even within house Many seasoned clinicians don't believe in AAC for this population, which breaks my heart. On the other end, there's also been some amazing clinicians who've had a paradigm shift in their perspectives. Coaching and empowering the entire family unit is the best part of our job, but there's so much advocacy to do also when they leave our program. The pushback from the districts they transition to is a whole other beast. Some days I leave in tears from the frustration I have for this vulnerable population, but I'm thankful for this virtual AAC community that can educate and cheer each other on. Many days I feel like I'm on an island, but you guys inspire me to be a better and better SLP to continue shifting the culture of AAC and early intervention one uncomfortable conversation at a time. How great is that? I love I'm that smiling so, so big. I love. <laughs> I love when we read these Chris, because our cheeks literally, like, <laughs> are like hurting because we're just smiling so big, ear to ear. That's when, like, it's. It, I wish people could see us. You know, they just listen to us, but. Um, I mean, it's just what an amazing review. And, you know, that is the intention behind this podcast, right? Is to to change the paradigm, right? A lot of clinicians, administrators, teachers, even parents, um, you know, there's very limiting beliefs about AAC and uh, children's potential. And I feel like it's really exciting to hear that, you know, this podcast helps shape what people think about AAC and they feel empowered to go and advocate for it.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, sometimes I get wrapped up in my own little bubble. I've said that before. And I, because of all the Facebook posts that I, you know, or Facebook groups that I belong to and Twitter people that I follow, I think, yes, yes. Um, the, the, we've done it, you know, it, mission accomplished, but it's, there's so many more people that need to be reached. So hearing that, uh, that this inspires somebody and that uh, this is, um, that they learn so much from it is, uh, it keeps us going.
0: Can I read one more, Chris? There's a a few new ones, but I don't know if we have time for all of them, but I just want to read this one because I really love it. The title is Seriously, The Best AAC Podcast. Thank you. Um, This is by... a username kw 6 which I'm guessing that's a reference to Winnie the Pooh, which I love. And Tigger is actually my favorite character. So I appreciate this, this review even more. Um, it says, keep up the great work. You both are wonderful to listen to. I just started listening a month ago. I love all the content. When I start a show, I always think, I wonder what I will learn today. I always have some kind of takeaway in the show. It's helped me to not feel like I'm on this AAC journey alone. It helps me with professional development, AAC implementation, and feeling like a member of the AAC community. You are making a difference even in my rural town. If you're an SLP or a special educator working with students who, who have or could benefit from AAC, this podcast is for you. I love this one too, because I feel like in AAC, sometimes we're just like in, on little islands, right? It feels like we don't have interactions with other clinicians who, you know, are practicing AAC, know about AAC, want to know more about AAC. And so oftentimes I think it's quite isolating. And so I love to hear that she, you know, is in a small town, but still feels like she's a, a part of our community. Um, and that's the, one of the coolest things about technology, right?
1: Yeah, I always think about it as a like a family. You have your immediate family, you know, and then you have your extended family, and that's what I feel like this community is. Is that they might that person might have their their local teachers, their local other therapists that they might be able to uh, correspond with. But when you are feeling alone, you have this extended family that you can reach out to, um, and that you can be a part of, you know, and that you don't have to feel so alone. And I also say the wonderful thing about that review is that that review is a wonderful thing.
0: Oh, I saw what you did there with Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) (laughs) Tiggers are wonderful, (laughs) things.
1: Oh, bother.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, let's talk about our episode today. I'm really excited. We just aired Caitlin Calder part one. Her and I had so much to talk about that we had to do a part two. So you're going to have to listen to the second part of the interview that I did with Caitlin Calder, who is a mom. And now she just told me actually, she is a licensed SLP. She's done her CFY. Um, so congratulations to Caitlin for that achievement. Um, you're going to do really amazing things in this field, given all of your experience uh, you know, as a mom. And I'm really excited to, to air the second half of this episode.
1: Can't wait to hear Caitlin Calder part two.
0: you spend all of your time writing assessment reports? We know that one of the hardest things about assessments is the time it takes to write up the report. That's why we've partnered with Double Time Docs, an online software that can help you write your speech and language reports faster. You simply answer multiple choice questions, fill in the blanks, and short answers, and a fully written report is generated automatically. It may seem like magic, and in a way,
1: it is. Sophisticated technology generates paragraphs and scoring charts, speeding up your report writing dramatically. And they've even built out an AAC portion that focuses specifically on AAC device trialing and selection.
0: But don't take our word for it. You can check out the reviews on their website, doubletimedocs.com, by clicking on the Captera link. Join thousands of therapists and save hours of time writing your evaluation reports with DoubleTime Docs.
1: Just go to Doubletimedocs.com to sign up for a free 30-day trial to try it out for yourself. Don't forget to use the promo code TWT2020 to get one free doc credit. That's TWT2020. Check them out at Doubletimedocs.com.
0: Do you work in a hospital or know someone that's been affected by COVID-19 and has been intubated and on a ventilator? COVIDSpeak is a free web-based video communication tool to connect intubated patients with their loved ones during social distancing. When someone is intubated and on a ventilator, they can greatly benefit from positive emotional connections with others. To learn more, go to COVIDSpeak.org. First of all, I'm loving this, by the way. I love this conversation. I feel like I could talk to you all day long. (laughs) I'm like more, more, more.
2: I'm like, like, I feel like they've already said all these things that I have in my
0: presentation. No, it's definitely, I mean, we might've touched on some of these things, but you have a very unique experience and I feel like you actually validate the things that we say on the podcast because you experienced it, right? Like, I can speculate all day long about what I think parents are thinking and I think parents are feeling but you're actually like, no, no, I felt like this. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yes. And it's hard. It's embarrassing. Like I, I have said things that I swore I would never tell anybody because of the shame. It's just so embarrassing with things that I did at this time to try mm-hmm. to cover up my, what I thought was inadequacy. And I'm just disappointed in myself still, even though I, have mm-hmm. preached like, Oh, you know, we should be positive you know, positive and looking forward and, But the reality is, is I I didn't. And Mm -hmm. so in a way we have to be mind readers and it's not really fair that we have to do that, but we have to give parents words that they don't even know how to say, you know, Mm -hmm. if we can kind of give them some like, um, expectations, then it might help. It would have helped me. Better form my questions because I didn't understand what was going wrong, and I certainly didn't know how to ask or or mm-hmm. express that. So if we can mm-hmm. give people that, you know, uh, that vocabulary and and start them on the right path, and I think they're more likely to ask questions. So I appreciate that you guys are always talking about those things and trying to troubleshoot because not every parent's the same either. I can't speak for everybody, but I know I'm not the only one.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I always think too. When I'm especially when I'm doing like a consultation or an assessment and I feel like I just I like word vomit so much like jargon, even like though yeah. I know it's not right and or good or helpful. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like and even even when I'm explaining principles in a way that I think are pretty easy to understand, uh-huh. I'm still explaining a lot of things all at once. And so like you said, you can only absorb so much. Yeah. And so I just I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of unfortunately part of the process because I only have a certain amount of time and I'm like, right. I just want to explain this all to you, but I think there's things you can do about that. Like I always record my sessions. So I'm like, listen, you don't need to write all these things down and take diligent notes because I'm recording this. You can watch it 500 times if you need to. (laughs) And so I feel like something like that is an easy solution so that parents can keep going circling back. Like she said something about like a core word and I have no idea what that is. So maybe I'll listen to it five times and then like eventually I'll start understanding.
2: Yes, I, we went to school for a really long time and I certainly didn't know these things. I barely got through the friggin' midterms and finals, you know, mm-hmm. and now that I live it, it's, it's, it's much different, but you're right. It, it's a lot for people to take in and theory and, you know, research and it's just, um, and that's why I think modeling is so helpful, being able to watch it. I might not be able to, I wouldn't have been able to verbalize exactly what the SLP was doing with my child, but I could certainly reenact it. Mm-hmm.
0: you know so and just to clarify when you say modeling you mean a clinician modeling for a parent what to do yes yeah. yes
2: okay so um my husband's funnier than me but he tells a really I gave uh, we presented this um in front of parents I've done it in front of SLPs twice and then we just did it in front of parents um and he tells a story we went to ABA for like 12 weeks and to do brushing hair okay because like couldn't brush her hair and it just looked awful all the time. And so we have this great ABA therapist named Mr. Kyle and he made us practice and he acted like he was Della. He's like a 30 year old man. And he's like, okay, go. And I'm like, this is Do awkward. I Della? <laughs> Do I call him Mr. Kyle? I'm like, okay, Mr. Kyle, it's time to brush your hair. Like, this is so awkward. <laughs> and then, he, and then he starts like slapping at me and I'm like, ah, you know. But he wouldn't let us do it with Della until we got, like, at least 80% right, you know? And it was like, okay, I can do this. And then when I did it with her, I was like, well, this is working. But in the meantime, it was, like, so freaking awkward. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you are pretending to be a child with autism and you're slapping me and you're 30 years old. Like, I was, like, a sweaty mess. Like, it just was so awkward. But I loved him for that. I'm so grateful he did that. So being able to see a clinician talking back and forth with my child using a a device I would be like oh okay I can do that Mm -hmm. you know and I also in the parent when I explained about the input and output the things that we're the child's getting is speech you know yet we're expecting him to to use something else that's not speech Mm -hmm. like of course it's going to be super confusing so let's try Mm -hmm. to make the input and output as consistent as we can and Mm -hmm. also use the machine Mm -hmm. you know? So it's just this, such a fine line between like freaking
0: people out and nerding out and like giving people what they need to move forward. Well, and I think that you bring up a really good point. It's not, it's awkward at first, right? It's It's awkward awkward for everybody, (laughs) even for me. And I kind of like, am at a point in my career where I see the extreme importance in not only involving parent, but actually live coaching parent. Yes. Real time being like, no, 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 wait, pause. I need you to pause. Um, You know, and that type of feedback and coaching is where you really start to see gains. But I have to say, when I first started doing this, I felt so uncomfortable. Yes. Because everybody feels uncomfortable. Parents feel uncomfortable. Like, it's like an awkward thing. Oh, yeah. Like, all around.
2: All of us are sweating. Like my mustache area gets really sweaty when I get stressed out. And so I'm like, he's looking at my sweaty mustache. Like, I, it's just so odd. And it's like, but we're all in this together. And if he's willing to do this and be there with me and act like a baby, like, okay, exactly. fine, I'm in. Let's do it. Yep. So I like Mr. How. He was really great. And, and I was taking score, like, who was doing better, me or my husband, and he made me throw it in the trash. <laughs>
0: Oh, I love that story. It's such a yeah. it's such an important reminder though. And we all need to just like get over the awkwardness because yeah. after that, true learning happens. And yeah. if you think about if you think about when learning actually occurs, it's always when we're pushed out of our comfort zone a little bit. You know, it's never when we're just hanging out in like, you know, comfortville. No. It's always when we're like right. someone's nudging us out and we're like, "No, but I don't want right. to. It's going to no, be awkward." Oh, no, no. yes. Yep. But that's where learning really good is. for us.
2: It's not easy, but I feel like if we as SLPs can show families that we're willing to go there with them, mm-hmm. it, you're much more likely to see them be like, okay, I mean, you're going, you're jumping in feet first. Let's do it. You know, and, mm-hmm. and. That would have been helpful, but again, I'm not knocking any of my child's SLPs. They were really great, and also I was lying to them anyway. So,
0: (laughs) let's talk about that for a second because I'm reading your your shame list. Oh my god, shame list. So let's talk about your shame list.
2: Oh my gosh, I I remember the first time I told the story, and it was in front of SLPs, and I was I wasn't sure how they were going to take it, and so um the the story that really um shows where I was at in life is I would strap my daughter's device into the front seat of my car um, on the way to speech and then I would press buttons like at red lights and thinking I was like nervous that maybe there was a counter in there and like like maybe she was seeing but then what if the counter also had the date and she saw like all 150 button pushes were only during the ride
0: before <laughs> for the 10
2: minutes before yeah, the session yeah, but started. I was like well she's going to use like yes and no and more a lot more often than these other words i didn't know about fringe and core i'm like hitting <laughs> the main buttons like oh yeah i bet you saw how many times she pushed it you know like, <laughs> it's so stupid it's so stupid but i did not understand why it wasn't freaking working I didn't mm. understand and I didn't know how to ask her because I just thought it was me. I was like, Oh, it must be me. She comes out of that session with,
0: you know, new words that she used. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. In retrospect, what do you think was not, I'll put in air quotes, not working. Like, was it that she wasn't seeing you model on the device or she wasn't using it? Was oh, it I'm like, I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay.
2: I'm sure. Um, I didn't understand the importance of that. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure really any of us did back then. It was 10 years ago when we were just kind of figuring this crap out. Yeah, It's not crap. (laughs) You're figuring this stuff out. It's just, you know, like I said, I feel like research is really starting to kind of shift and it's great, but it was, it was me. It was, it was the buy-in from our family. I did not understand how important that that was, I knew it was important and I was supposed to carry it around with me all the time and have it available all the time. But I thought she was just supposed to use it.
0: Right. You know? and so when she wasn't just using it, you thought, right. am she's I like, doing something it. wrong? what's the deal?
2: A hundred percent. I was like, well, she doesn't want to use it. I, I don't know. I, I, I just have like all these things. I did not want my SLP to know because I was like, oh, she's going to think I'm a terrible parent. And, and she's, She's going to find out I'm a liar because I am a liar because I'm lying to her every time. Like, oh, it was just, it's just so cringy. I, and I thought things that were not true, like her language window is closed forever. I'm too late. Okay, mm-hmm. yes. Is there a prime time to learn language? Of course there is. But it's never too late. No, never. And But I thought that. And I was mm-hmm. like, what have I done? I've wasted all this time. And now you know, it's too late for her, or, you know, people are going to write her off and not want to help her. I don't know. And I had these, like, maybe she would have been mainstreamed if I had been better about using this. Now I understand that that's not the case for my child. Um, it's just a heavy weight to carry. And, and I carried it for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I had understood hey, this is weird. You're not doing it wrong. It's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. It's weird for everyone. Totally unnatural. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. keep going. Mm-hmm. So that's so fascinating just to hear your perspective. And honestly, I appreciate your honesty because I know it probably still isn't easy to say these it's things out so loud.
2: embarrassing. I'm not a liar in real life and I don't <laughs> like lying at all. You know, you which have- just
0: which just probably added to the shame spiral. <laughs>
2: totally. It like doesn't stop. It does not stop. But I you know, I feel like unless I'm willing to say it, I'm not the only person. I know mm-hmm. I'm not. And yeah. there are parents who are more natural than I was at that time and and or more accepting or I, I don't know. But I'm not the only person. And mm-hmm. here's some here's the things that I wish I had known when I had started out. That's the presentation I tried to make. You mm-hmm. know, is, is, these things would have helped me out. And so, mm-hmm. take from what you will, but you know, it would have been helpful.
0: One of the um, the terms that you use in your presentation that I really like is co clinician, and I would love for you to explain that to our audience because I've actually never heard that before.
2: Um, okay, so co clinician to me was like, we want parents to be part of the team, right? I mean, they are possibly the most important behind the child so Mm -hmm. if you treat them like a co-clinician like again we're in this together and what you have to say matters you know your child I don't know what your child's doing the other 23 hours a day seven days a week Mm -hmm. you know so no I know that there's 24 hours of the day but I'm just saying you see the child for one hour a week okay anyway yeah but um yeah I and and including them on goals like hey what was your kid interested in and I, on my presentation I have obsessed with, and I like cross it out, um, but you know, what's your kid perseverating on? Like, let's let's talk about all of that. And um, you know, just trying to bring the parent in, like, hey, this is what we're gonna do. We need your input on on these goals. Um, what's important to you? And we might do that, I think we're really good at doing that in the first few sessions mm-hmm. and, and kind of getting a feel. And then maybe we might do it again. If the kid's having a hard time staying motivated, we'll say, oh, you know what, what's motivating to them right now. Mm -hmm. But um, giving them that respect and like being like, you know, we're, we're, we're treating your child together because we need you on this team. You are the most important part. And, and we will take into consideration and follow through with any valuable input that you have. And it's all valuable in some way, shape, or form.
0: I could not agree more. And I think that you highlighted a really important point, which was it's so easy in the beginning to focus on those things and, or if there's a problem, yes. but we should be checking in on those things on a continuous basis because right. we know that communication occurs only when there's motivation right. and we know that children's motivations are changing. And I think
2: especially with ASD, like they, my daughter doesn't give a crap about most stuff. She doesn't care. Yeah. She just watches from afar. Like, oh, that's nice. Math. That's cute. I'm not doing yeah. it. You know, so, so there, yes, she is evolving and, and changing what she's into. But, you know, if we can keep up with that, mm-hmm. it's super helpful. It makes our job easier as SLPs for sure. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, oh, suddenly she likes Fruit Loops. Fine. We're going to talk about Fruit Loops or dinosaurs or whatever. My daughter's into like weird Russian cartoons and South Korean cartoons. I'm like, whatever, we're doing it. She probably <laughs> speaks like Russian and Korean, like in her mind. <laughs> and she's watched so many hours and you brought up um snowflake that song oh, yeah, yeah. it's like super soothing oh my god yeah you made like a loop of just the audio and it's like <laughs> half an hour long and she just like does her thing it's so great so you know those the kids videos that, that they're into change so if you can get that information those little nuggets i think it's super mm-hmm. helpful and then to tell parents how helpful it is and they're like yeah i am helpful yeah,
0: yeah. well and that and then you as the clinician are able to take whatever that is, even if it's, you know, little snowflake song and figure out a way to make communication opportunities around it. That's what our job is. And then communicate that to parents. Because I think oftentimes what happens is, especially with autism, is that we think like, well, they're already perseverating so much on, you know, X Y Z. I know, but like they're perseverating for a reason. Mm -hmm. Let's at least give functional communication around let's, the perseveration
2: it's that weirdness that right with that moment and you know i i i have a video on my presentation of my daughter threw up and i she wanted to talk about it so she talked about vomit like for two weeks was i super stoked that she was talking about vomit everywhere we went not really but she was talking about it that's what she wanted to talk about i'm like all right we're gonna talk about vomit great <laughs>
0: I have a similar story. I was working with a kid and he like was at a playground and he ended up like pulling down his pants and peeing on like a toy horse. And so he, he did this and he was so motivated to talk about it and tell this story. He Uh would go pee, pee, horse, pee, pee, horse, pee, pee, horse. Uh And Then, of course, I was like, well, you know what? If you want to talk about it, like, let's, like, at least build off of this. So I was like, oh, like, you peed on the horse. You peed on the horse. (laughs) Let's expand this utterance. Yes. (laughs) But you know what? He he literally learned it within, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. He was, like, using on. And then I was like, okay, like, let's talk about other things around this weird incident that, like, is so hilarious and funny. You have to be willing to kind of take what you can get.
2: With some of these kids, some kids will be like motivated over whatever, but some are my, my child is one of those. It's just so hard to keep her motivated because she like, doesn't care. She'll just look at you like, Pasha, I'm not doing it.
0: Cool. (laughs) I know. You it's know. the hardest, it's the hardest thing when you have those kids that are like, eh, take it or leave it, right. whatever. Right. <laughs> so,
2: like, another thing that we did is we'll let her call her favorite cartoon characters. And mm. we have like this whole f- weird list in our phones of, of family members and friends who have volunteered to be like russian characters like they don't know anything about it we can call them and and they're they play along or it's the 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 bus bus barn where they park the school buses and it says says like bus fixer guy and we can call him up and we can ask him how's it going fixing the buses and she has to use her device because they can't see her go ahead and sign you can sign all you want but that person is not going to answer you Della, because you need to be using words so that you know just trying to like think of anything, mm-hmm. um, that would motivate her. It's hard. And so, you know, parents are a great resource. They can be, they might not be thrilled that they're talking, kids talking about vomit or peeing on a horse. I yeah. like that's mortifying, but you gotta like harness
0: this power for good. And the other thing that I do with that specific child is we put a quick fire freeze in their device. Let me tell you something funny. And so at least there was context to like, this is a joke or something, a story that happened. (laughs) So then it became, let me tell you a funny story. Pee-pee on horse. Let me tell you a funny story. Pee-pee on horse. (laughs) And so, Dude, but it's funny, right? I know. And honestly, he was saying it all the time. All of his friends in class were laughing. He became like the funny, cool kid.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So we need to be able to put aside like embarrassment and just like ride it. Just mm-hmm. ride that wave, you know, whatever it is. If it's pee-pee, <laughs> if it's a Russian cartoon. I don't know. My daughter was obsessed with breast pumps for a while. <laughs> Tell me more. Uh, oh my gosh. Her teacher would kill me. She had just had a baby. God bless her. And she was like pumping in between classes and and she had a, she'd have a sign on the door, right? Well, my daughter can't read. So she just like walks right in and was like, <laughs> like, the look on her face of like fascination, and so then all she wanted to do was just like try it out, talk about it, and her teacher was like, "We're not talking about it." And then finally, just was like, "Fine, you can turn it on and off. No, you can't use it." <laughs> it like it motivated her, and she got a lot done. She learned a bunch of sight words, and yeah. maybe she should have learned the sight words like, "Don't, don't come in here." <laughs> When the teacher's in here, but it became like really funny, and I and I uh, people like across the district started knowing about it. Oh my it's gosh, so funny, right? It's like, yeah, and I was so thankful that that teacher was willing to just ride that wave and just mm-hmm. to go with it because oh gosh, I she'll kill me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure you have lots of stories like that. Yeah, but it's funny, right? Yeah, it is. And honestly, like we need to, I think, approach things with more lightheartedness if we can, and um, just embrace the quirks, right? Like yeah. these kids are, are brilliant in their own way and funny in their own way, and I feel like we can really capitalize on that and celebrate it um, instead of constantly trying to fit kids into this idea of a normal box. Um, just kind of, you know, really celebrate their uniqueness.
2: Right. I, I, I could not be more on board with that. Okay. So let me ask you, what do you feel about, what do, how do you think about perseveration using AAC? Do you redirect when it's
0: appropriate or do you? So that's a great question. I think that it depends on the situation. I think first and foremost, I think children, especially children with autism, um, they have perseverations verbally. They have them on a device. And so I think this is a very typical thing that we see with autism. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way I like to think about it is, you know, if a child is constantly thinking the word and pulling the word, just because they're not able to have the output verbally does Uh not mean they shouldn't be able to execute the motor plan for that word. So if their brain is like, you know, whatever, cookie, and it's just cookie, and they have to hit it, and cookie, and they have to hit it, like to not be able to follow through with that, that process, right? I feel like that's really hard. Now, with that being said, I do think sometimes perseveration verbally or on a device, no matter what, um, I do think sometimes it can be quite distracting and it can really impede a child's ability to learn, to have social interactions. Um, and so I do think there's a time and a place to try to redirect, yeah. um, you know, obviously least to most tr- like prompting hierarchy. Yeah. To feel like yes. I follow. Um, you know, first I'm just like, oh yeah, we're not talking about that right now and see if that can work, I yeah. try to redirect you to something that I know that they really like talking yeah, about. Because yeah. um, I feel like sometimes we try to like redirect to what's happening at circle time and like kids don't care. Kids don't, don't care, care about like what book we're reading at circle yep. time. Like, yep. so I feel like that that's not going to be a successful, successful <laughs> redirection. Um, but oftentimes if you choose something that's really motivating and you know like, oh, like I know she'll want to talk about this instead, you yeah. yeah. um, can start shaping it to be a little bit more functional. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that it's – I try to just let it slide if it's not a big deal because I feel like oftentimes parents are like, we're in the car, and they just keep saying over and over again the same things. And I'm like – but that's not really impeding their ability to learn or connect or socialize, right? Right. So I feel like – and also, if we're thinking about on a device – um, especially in the initial initial stages of AAC you know we have to assume that children are exploring and curious about the words and the pictures and mm-hmm. i think that the act of hitting words and hearing it and hitting words and even if that's repetitive i think that that's actually a learning process for kids i think
2: it's it's super reinforcing right i mean yeah. they're getting that feedback and they're able to let everybody know
0: yeah and they're play. learning the motor plan too like that they're like think
2: I'm about practicing over and over exactly now. That's good. I like that. I like the way you're framing it.
0: Good. Well, I'm happy that I could, if, to weigh in on that. It's, it's a hard one though, because it's like, I, some people are really extreme, like one yeah. way or the other. They're like, no, like especially ABA. They're right. like, no, like we, we disrupt. We like, sure. Tr- we turn the device. Yeah. We take the yeah. device. we like all these things. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we don't yeah. need to be that extreme. Right. Um, I think that there's probably a middle ground and I think that it's very context and child specific. Yes,
2: yeah. And it, clearly there is, whether it's a compulsion or whether it's an overwhelming sense of like, I have to do this, mm-hmm. it's clearly something,
0: you right. know, they're not making it up. It just, well, exactly. It's not just like, it, the function is hardly ever, if I would even argue never, to annoy someone. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that that is, it's, it's, it's either like compulsive. Um, it's like, I have this word in my head. I want to say it. Like I'm thinking about this thing nonstop. I want to say it. Um, but like people get so annoyed by it. Right. It's like, it's, and that's us. So I'm just Oh, oh, remember, it's not about us. Like, it's about them. So like, let's just like check that. And remember, like, they're not doing it to annoy us. They're doing it for whatever reason that may be unbeknownst to us at this point. But um. Yeah. It's a tough one though. That's actually a question I get asked a lot. Like when I do presentations, people are like, but like, what about the like perseverating or stimming on the device? And I'm like, you know, honestly, I feel like oftentimes it has a purpose. I don't random. Like I I had this one student, she was perseverating and stimming so severely. Like it was just like, they're like, she won't ever stop. Like she's just like talking like 23 hours a day. (laughs) And I was like, listen, I know it's probably hard, but eventually over time, I have been seeing this uh, student for three years. Mm -hmm. She does not stim on the device anymore. She is in completely intentional and she knows where every button is. So I yes. feel like that intense period of stimming was like actually her learning where all the words are. And now she doesn't do it anymore. Right. Right. And so I like, think that's a,
2: good, that's a good thing to, to remind parents of. Like, mm-hmm. this is not forever. Mm-mm.
0: At least I, well, I don't know. I can't speak. To well, everybody. and the other analogy that I like to use is like, what did we do the first time we ever touched a smartphone? Like what was the what was our first reaction? We were like, I was like a like a a baby monkey, like boop boop, boop, like what's all these things do? You know, I was hitting all the buttons, I was swiping, I didn't know what to do, I was exploring, I was figuring out how to work this new foreign thing that I had never experienced before, right? Before my like weird flip phone that I used to have with the really long antenna. Oh yeah, 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 or plain snake, right? I mean, exactly. So it's just like we had to remember. These kids, while they ha- you most of them have interacted with technology before, yes. they've never seen the speech generating right. voice. They've right. never seen like buttons with pictures of their favorite things that like say the word, you right. know, over and over again. Yeah. So it's just like keeping that in mind when we're introducing AAC. Yeah. It's like it's a new novel thing. So, of course, like kids are going to hit all the buttons and get yeah. really excited. And
2: I mean, you talked about that before, and I really appreciated that being able to say, you know, the first few, like we're babbling, like mm-hmm. we're just starting out.
0: Mm-hmm. We're just, let's just, Let's
2: just see what this thing can do. And you know, exactly. like, somehow they magically find like the fart sounds or whatever. It happens to be pre-programmed on there. And then it's that or, or whatever, but like, let them just do their thing. You know, that's, you're right. That's what I did with my smartphone. So I'm I'm going to add that. I'm going to steal that from you. I'll get, well, it. I won't steal it. I'm going to, I'll credit you.
0: <laughs> I would have been okay if you stole it.
2: Okay. I'll, I'm going to still credit you. <clears throat> yeah. Just tell them to
0: listen to the podcast.
2: Okay. <laughs> I'll redirect, redirect. Got it.
0: Love it. Love it. Well, Caitlin, honestly, I feel like I could talk to you all day. It's like getting dark here because we've been talking for so long. We might actually have to split this into two episodes, which I'm even more excited about.
2: Are you serious?
0: Yeah. I'm excited. Oh. I feel like this is perfect. Honestly, I don't know how long we've been talking, but it's been a second. We started at 2 30, right? 4 30, yeah. Yeah, I'm 4 Oh, your time. You're behind me. Yes, yeah, yeah, Or you're ahead of me. Yes. Um, is there anything else that like we haven't mentioned or touched on? Um, I'm not even just saying this. Like, this is fantastic. I'm really excited about this. I'm so glad because I really was not sure. I don't know. I'm I'm surprised every time. I'm like, really? Listen, I'm surprised too. I'm like, how many times do I have to say this over and over again? But like, I can't tell you like how many times people are like, "Oh my god, it was just pure genius." I'm like, I feel like I've said it like literally five thousand times.
2: I know, (laughs) right, 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 and I and. I think it's getting better now that I'm like in my CF and I'm like, okay, I kind of know what I'm talking about. But especially when I was a student, I'm like, I felt like such an imposter, you know, like we who just, am I?
0: I don't we just know. had like an episode. Well, actually we haven't, it was Chris and I just talking and we were like, let's do an entire episode. Oh, I heard Monster it. Syndrome. Yeah, I'm like so excited because I feel like it's something that we all go through. And
2: we do, we do. And I think that that's just, you know, the more that we can validate and kind of confess to these really, difficult emotions that we all feel, like the mm-hmm. more that we can connect and the more we can move past it. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I just completely just being able to say like, Hey, I did not use my child's device. Like I didn't use it was mm-hmm. so hard for me to say, but then I found out like lots of other people aren't using it either. And I was like, see, so like many if I, parents aren't using their devices. <laughs> right. Right. And so I really tried to validate. And I think if people are willing to to go there and especially clinicians, it just, makes us makes other people a little braver it's so hard to put yourself out there especially when you are getting judgment from whoever the internet family whatever it's just the last thing I wanted was my SLP to think that I was less than you know or that I didn't care and so that's why I like that co-clinician kind of mentality is you know we're in this together like you are just as important as as me the SLP like we're totally in this together, and you have something super valuable to contribute. And yeah, it might take a thousand times of telling your kid this or modeling this word, but let's not stop at eight hundred, you know, mm-hmm. like let's keep going. It's going to take a really, really long time, and it sucks and it's hard, and you know, you get sick of it. But then when they do it back, it's like, oh my gosh, it's freaking working. Like it's yeah. so exciting. For me as a parent, but also as an SLP, it's like, oh
0: my gosh, it's working. <laughs> Exactly. And that like not, not getting stuck in the outcomes because I feel like that's where we feel like we're, you know, either not doing enough or we start having all those self-doubts, yeah. but knowing that eventually with persistence and yes. consistency right. and, you know, utilizing all the things we know from research about, you know, the importance of modeling and mm-hmm. routines-based intervention and all these things, it will eventually work. You know,
2: but I want to add to that. Like, I think as SLPs, we feel very responsible for our patients and, and we got into this because we want to help people, but also some families are just not in a place where they can fully commit to using a device. Like, you know, the divorce rate of people with autism is so very high and it's like if you're trying to keep your marriage together and you don't want your house getting foreclosed on because now you've got all these bills and there are some things that we can't do for families and and we have to be willing to accept that and it's really hard I think because we never want to give up right Mm -hmm. even if the child's kind of plateauing I'm like no I don't know I think I think they kind of improved on this but the reality is is for some families, like that grief is so overwhelming that it just takes over their ability to really be able to put into play something like this and so mm-hmm. be be gentle to yourself too because you can't solve everyone's problems, even though we really, 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 really want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we take that on ourselves a lot, and so there are people who are just stuck in that grief and and mm-hmm. are cannot cannot you know fully. Commit to this, this what you're trying to do at this time. That doesn't mean it's always, but um, you know, it's a very real thing that grief, and and it's really intense. And and I think um, also, I don't think it's a one time thing. I think parents go through it over and over again. You know, mm-hmm. it's just this something will remind someone, and or I'll see another kid parent with like a um, child with disabilities at Target. Now I'm like crying in Target with a stranger, like so not weird, right? I'm like. you know, know. and it's just this really weird space to be in. So you're doing a good job. Um, I try to tell the SMPs that, but also I was at an ARD once and it was overwhelming, but I did my thing. And and right after someone came up to me and like patted my shoulder and said, I just want you to know you're doing a really good job as a mom. And like, I went into the car and was like full on hysterical. Like I couldn't even drive because my kid's not telling me that. Mm-hmm. My kid is not telling me that. <laughs> yeah, I don't even,
0: most kids are not telling
2: their parents. Kids that. don't even do that, right? Exactly. My son is 15. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> we don't appreciate it until our, we're older, right? We just mm-hmm. don't know. So, so being able to hear that was really great. And so I tried to do that to other parents and to my child's SLP. Like, hey, I know she's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I know, and I appreciate your hard work and your willingness to work with her because she's broken her SLP's glasses. Mm. She's you know, like tried to hide and and say, Oh, I'm not going to speech. Like, it's just so, it's so embarrassing in some ways.
0: Well, and I think that that's an important message to parents is that, you know, recognizing, recognizing that sometimes, you know, these children are not easy to work with. Um, And I think that as clinicians, we understand that. But again, it's nice to hear. It's always nice to hear that somebody thinks that you're doing a good job. Right.
2: Right. And I think it goes both ways. It goes both ways. I want my children's teachers and SLPs to know like how much I appreciate it because I know how difficult she is. I Mm -hmm. do. She's wonderful and precious and sweet, but she's also a tween, you know. We're in middle school now, and it's like it's just really hard. Now we've got puberty in the mix, and it, she's just even more moody. And things are happening to her; she doesn't understand. I made a a, a social story on I'll just say on periods, and I sent it to my autism <laughs> professor, and and he was like, "This is kind of terrible." <laughs> Wait, why is it terrible? Uh, I didn't follow the formula that the research shows. Like, you have to have an informative page for, you know, and then the reinforcing pages or whatever. I don't remember. He's... I hope he doesn't listen to this, but... Um. <laughs> But it was like, oh, okay, sorry. So I, re- I redid it. I didn't send it to him. I sent it to someone else who I knew would be like, <laughs> great. Like, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it to
0: somebody who, who could validate me right. and all the things that I'm right. doing. Right,
2: right. So, I mean, it's a tough time for everybody involved and especially her. It's hard enough being a kid going through puberty. Mm-hmm. Now, now I gotta like be a kid who has communication issues going through puberty. It's like mm. double whammy, right? Yeah. So Even I was worse. just trying to look for ways to help her and I decided to do this and it was like, It was really embarrassing.
0: (laughs) Listen, Caitlin, I appreciate all of your rawness and realness. And I know for a fact that parents and clinicians will appreciate it too. Um, Again, I think it's really admirable and brave that you are willing to speak so openly because I know that there are parents out there who are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, (gasps) god thank god i'm not the only one <laughs> i know
2: and but we always feel like that i mean in in school we're our teachers are always like ask the question or make the comment because you're not the only one thinking it mm-hmm. you know and i'm i try to act like that's true i don't i don't always know and i have oh, yeah. said things that people are like no caitlin <laughs> no <laughs> one A lot. Like, just kidding i was thinking that either i just said it i don't know <laughs> but it's just hard to be vulnerable, period. And so mm-hmm. it's nice that I, people do, can relate and connect. And that's, that's really all I want is just people to f- know that this is really hard and it's complicated and you're going to feel guilty, but you don't need to because
0: it's a complex thing and we're in this together. hmm so there's one question that we ask the people that we have on this podcast, and it is, if you had a billboard that every speech-language pathologist could see, what would your billboard say?
2: A hundred percent, bring the parent in and model. Mm, I love just, it. Just show them how it's done. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't even need to like explicitly teach it. Just being able to see like, oh, I see what she's doing here. I mm-hmm. wish, wish, wish I had understood what that was, and I, and I didn't. lots of reasons, but definitely modeling and letting the parent be part of that would be super helpful.
0: I love that. And I think it's a really important reminder to just not stop telling, but start showing is the important piece, right? That's what we're asking
2: them to do. We got to show our
0: kids how to use it. And that's the thing is like, I can explain these principles all day long till I'm, you know, blue in the face, but I can show something in seconds. I can show it and I don't even need to explain it because you're like, oh, yeah. that's like, you know, it would have taken me 400 words to explain that. But like, look, in an instant, I can show you exactly right. what I'm talking about. Right. We're really
2: good at using 400 words. Oh, yeah. We so love words. It. Yeah. So many words. It's just like word vomit. And yeah, But <laughs> you're right. You're right. And and it is important to put words to that too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to give the, the basics, but um, I think showing is super helpful because that's what we're asking the parent to do.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Caitlin, where can people reach you if they want to connect with you? I have a feeling that a lot of parents are going to listen to this and um, they might want to connect. Yeah, sure. Um, it's just my name's
2: Caitlin Calder at gmail.com C A I T L I N C A L D E R at gmail.com. I have one that says Caitlin Calder SLP, but I haven't used it yet.
0: <laughs> You'll use it soon. Yeah. Well, Caitlin, thank you again so much for coming on and sharing your experience with us.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate the podcast and all that you're doing. You're really doing such a service to our community.
0: Thank you so much. So for Talking With Tech, I'm Rachel Madel, joined with Caitlin Calder. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.
1: Please listen carefully. Hi, I'm Matt Hott, one of the hosts of Speech Science, a weekly podcast bringing you all the information that you can handle related to speech sciences and disabilities. Michelle Wintering, Michael McLeod and I interview leaders and difference makers in the field. Every Tuesday, we drop a new episode. You can find us on iTunes, Android, and on our website, www.speechscience.org slash speech science podcast. Join us as we try to find the answers to the question.
2: What is communication?
1: You're listening to
2: The Exceptional Podcast Network.